Hello, ladies and gentlemen, this is Claudia Monicelli with another episode of Multiple Voices. My Multiple Voices podcast, true to its name, includes different series. For example, we have the Voices of Love, where we discuss relationships, the voice of empowerment, the voice of laughter and play, the voice of pleasure, and the magical voice of archetypes and how they change the way we live. But we also have the voice of memory that includes everything from history to discussions of past life regression. There's also writing voices where we interview both seasoned writers and authors who have just started getting their feet wet with writing, and we learn what can work for you as potential writers. Our series called Voice of the Spirit discusses different forms of spirituality and religion. And then Channeling Voices is a series that covers what happens when you channel, but is also extended to mediumship. Take a moment to review this podcast if you've enjoyed listening, and leave a hearty five stars. I'd appreciate it. Enjoy your listening. Hello, ladies and gentlemen. This is Claudia Monicelli with another episode of Multiple Voices. Now, I have... um, a guest today. His name is Dr. Bruce Burkowski. Bruce, please say hello to our audience. Hello, everyone. <laughs> Bruce is here, and he's talking to us from far, far away in relation to me, Washington State. Um, now, he's one of the most difficult guests for me to introduce. And I'll say that easily because a lot of the things I have to say are tongue twisters. Um, he is a retired naturopath and also the founder of spiritual phytoessencing, deep soul level healing work with essential oils. He has, you know, most of what I'm going to say will give you the picture, if you just let your mind wander, of a person who is immersed in nature, classical homeopath, master herbalist, eclectic body work special. Now, before I go on, Bruce, what is that? I thought that was so erotic. Eclectic body work specialist. Body work is a generic term for massage and you know, ah. manipulation of the spine. So oh, a chiropractor is a body worker. I see, I see. Massage therapist. Okay, then I am as well. All right. Um, his practice was a combination, is a combination of Western and Eastern healing arts. He has always lived surrounded by nature for over 40 years. He's the developer, developer I knew I was going to, Chirip on that, the developer on the Vital Chi skin brushing system. He's the author of Burkowski's 12 Cell Salts Materia Medica. He's also the author of Burkowski's Synthesis Materia Medica, Spirituals of Essential Oils. And he's also the author of Sp- Spiritual Vital Phyto Essences, Gemstone essences reference guide i think i messed that one up but i will write these down in the uh, in the description close enough, close enough. <laughs> he developed a method for the production of highly potent gemstone essences now i must be must have been six months ago i had a gemstone specialist um and he was a whiz well, fabulous interesting person when you talk about gemstone essences. What is that really? Well, gemstones, we should say that, uh, just to backtrack a little bit, 
is that in spiritual fight of Western saying, and just in, in uh, one of the basic premises of my practice, yeah. is that uh, everything comes from spirit. Spirit is the uh-huh. sort of the, the node from which everything, uh, every all of creation emerges. Uh-huh. And so uh, when you live in nature, everything is imbued uh, mm-hmm. with, uh, with spirit. This is called the, the imminent presence of the divine. In other words, within uh, right. all of nature. Now, among mm-hmm. all the things in nature, uh, quite possibly that the substance that stores that spirit um, more profoundly and yeah. more, in a more concentrated way are gemstones. Uh, okay. This is because gemstones by their crystalline structure store information. And this is why mm-hmm. crystals are used in computers uh, to store information. Uh-huh. So the information will be of spirit if you purify them and then put them out in nature and they will gather the wavelengths of bird song, of okay, clouds good. passing by and so forth. Now but that was not, very important you know, to understand. Of the city and so forth. But when it, I just took it for granted that gemstone essences was like essential oil. I'm thinking, what is he, how is he getting the drops from those stones? You know, I understand now. Well, the, the essences are extracted. You take, an, okay. you take a gemstone. Let's say you're going to take uh-huh. amethyst and you just right. put it in a bowl of water. Uh-huh. And uh, you put it outside. I, I live right. in nature. You put it outside right. under the sun, and then I leave it out under the moonlight and yeah. under the starlight, and we bring it in the next day. And basically, this causes a reaction, a transference of energy vis-a-vis the stone. The stone will gather right. the information, transfer it to the water. Then the uh-huh. water is bottled, and uh-huh. then it uses drops. You take it sublingually. Good. That's good to know. Very nice. Very nice. Okay, now... You mentioned over 40 years, surrounded by nature over 40 years. Now, I'm going to make you go back in time. Um, I'm not going to use you. A lot of times I like to say, look, Bruce, who were you in high school? But I won't do that to you. (laughs) What I'm going to do is ask you, what made you, who were you before 40 years ago? Well, actually, I've been in practice quite longer than that but uh mm-hmm. if we go way back uh mm-hmm. you know i i went to college mm-hmm. uh, back in the 1960s and uh, right. things really opened up and and nature became part of people's consciousness okay Again, what was your uh, major then uh, what was so your major my major ultimately i became a science teacher uh uh-huh. is how when i graduated college i was a biology and science I teacher i see and uh, but I traveled around a lot, uh, went cross country mm-hmm. and camped out all over the country and did a lot of identification of wild herbs and trees and so forth. That mm-hmm. became uh, sort of I just I don't know why I just had a bond uh, for, yeah. for that type of thing. And then I began to read spiritual literature. I began to uh, you know read the Bhagavad Gita and the Tibetan Book of the Dead and so on and so forth. And it all came together for me in that way. Mm-hmm. So spirit and nature became one thing. So when mm-hmm. I moved from the East Coast, I grew up in Brooklyn and yeah. uh, taught science oh, in Brooklyn. And when I moved out Brooklyn. here, um, you know, I substitute taught, uh, but I got a job as a consultant uh, mm-hmm. for weightlifters and bodybuilders and, and older mm-hmm. folks and so forth in terms of what supplements, herbs and I so see. forth they should use. Because I was already studying that, uh, a lot of that back East, and I trained in the martial arts and yoga and so forth. So I had a yeah. lot of experience in a lot of things. I was already a vegetarian. Mm-hmm. And so it just it just grew from that. I got more yeah. and more training and more and more experience, mm-hmm. and I just e- evolved into uh, what I ultimately became. Mm-hmm. Um, so 
let's see. You you said I delved in the spiritual literature, and you mentioned a few things, and of course that was, I guess, the basis for how you um, progressed and developed in your practice and what you do. Um, there are a number of things that I'd like to um, touch on, but one of the things that you yourself suggested was the healing uh, that healing energy can be transmitted. Uh, via non-local dimensions. Before you start, when, what do you mean by dimensions here? Well, uh, in quantum physics, uh, this is not the only dimension. The, the, the dimension we're living in now is not the only dimension. Uh, and uh -huh. so they describe uh, what they refer to as the non-local space or the non-local dimension, yeah. uh, which is a space which is populated just by waves, by waveforms of various kinds. Mm -hmm. Now, yeah. for spiritual individuals, this is referred to as spirit. This, right. this um, but they, because they're physicists, they're scientists. Uh, it's given this uh, scientific terminology, uh, and so basically, you can. Uh, it, it's it's a place of consciousness, and the consciousness yes. is not only objective consciousness, just pure spirit, but it has a subjectivity, subjective consciousness as well. So, because of that, your subjective consciousness can register with the non-local space and, and, and vice versa. Well, it okay. turns out that you can transmit energy vis-a-vis -vis that non-local dimension to places that are distal from you. So you can heal mm -hmm. at a distance if you know how to use that dimension. When uh, you say s subjective, can you clarify that? Well, uh, for instance, uh, if people say, well, you know, is there life after death? Yeah, so, right. you know, the, the dimension uh, post-mortem uh, is going to be part of the non-local space. I mean, that's where spirit spirit is. And from my experience, after many years, is the, the answer is, you know, absolutely. Uh, and not only that, but you can actually uh, have developed relationship and communication with spirit of past because soul is indestructible. Uh, the body disappears, but soul, you know, it's, it's, it's eternal. It's a matter of, of, of technique and understanding and sensitivity and so forth. Uh, and so the consciousness you use in engaging with uh, spirits who have passed, who you who become your spirit guides, is a mm -hmm. subjective type of consciousness. So if you're saying, well, I want to project energy to say, mm -hmm. let's uh, bring some type of healing energy to the people of Ukraine, sure. uh, you can do that vis-a-vis. -vis, uh, this is a subjective thought. Uh, right. and, but yet it can affect, you can affect the, the in, have an effect on the waveforms within the non-local space to transmit that energy to distal places and actually target it in that way as well. Mm -hmm. Of course, there's a lot of technique involved. It's not just sure. a matter of wishing and intention. Uh, there's a lot of technique involved. Well, um, just let me say, I caught a couple of vowels there that really came from Brooklyn while you were talking. I thought, it, there he it is. It never leaves you. It's, it it's, never leaves it's you. Just, it's genetic. <laughs> uh, if you're born there, there it is. Listen, when you say uh, there's a lot of technique there, maybe you could give us an example what, of, by what you mean, you know, of what you well, mean. For, for non-local, what, what, what I refer to as cosmic light transmissions, mm -hmm. uh, basically I have students and uh, I created, uh, designed a transmitter receiver. And the, right. the students have transmitter receivers that are made, they're made of gem, they're gemstones and rocks. Uh, mm -hmm. in, in place in a, in a various geometric form, uh, and I won't go into all the details of this. Right. And then there's a bowl in the middle of all this, sur surrounded by these hinges of stones that mm -hmm. contains specific oils, essential oils, and specific gemstone essences. 
my system that I have here is a much larger system uh, that uh, includes copper pyramids and uh, <laughs> copper, copper spiral circles and so forth. And I'm transmitting the energy vis-a-vis -vis my system to theirs <laughs> and their system comes by to mine and it becomes one wave. And because of the way we're directing it, you can direct by intention. Intention right. is very powerful. Uh, in Kabbalah, intention is yes. referred to as Kavana, that intention mm -hmm. is really important. And through intention and what we're doing, you can, you can, you can feel it. I mean, it's immediately perceptible to everybody who's, who's participating. Well, you really can't do anything without intention, can you? Uh, if you no. think in everyday life. No, not, not all. As a matter of fact, in healing, uh, what's one of the, the missing ingredients uh, in healing uh, these days, of course, is the dominance of conventional medicine. And the dominance of conventional medicine is purely stripped of things such as sensitivity and intuition and instinct and intention. All those are, are, are deemed be, as being unscientific, although every medical system uh, in, that has ever existed up until the modern system, those were an essential, an essential part of healing was the intention of the heal and not just, well, what does the science say? Let's do this. That's just, you know, you're thinking things out rather than feeling things out. Yeah. Well, we've mentioned, you've mentioned the word healing uh, 10, 12 times already. And um, I'm pretty sure everyone know, knows what healing is, right? Uh, but you mentioned holding healing, like whole, the, the, the whole part. Can uh, How and why holding healing, well, why holding precedes true healing? Um, because it's, for me, it's a tongue twister, and I'm not exactly sure what you mean there. Can you explain holding? Well, you know, I began practicing in 1978, and for mm -hmm. the first, let's say, 15 years uh, or so, maybe a little bit more than that, uh, of my practice, it was pretty straightforward physical uh, type of things. A uh, person had this wrong or that symptom, you know, this and that, and you came up with various uh, physical measures uh, to try to ameliorate them on a, on a symptomatic right. level, change your diets, try, you know, in some way to do right. things that are some more fundamental to healing but not really. And then after 15 years or so, it just, the same people came, you know, as soon as something came up in their lives, stressful, they reverted back to form and you had to fix right. them up all over again. And it became this, right. uh, this thing that it was not fix really something up. that I was having uh, really much interest in. Uh, mm -hmm. And it came to me, uh, basically I had an illumination around 1995 or so mm -hmm. when uh, I was uh, studying anthroposophical medicine and there was a, a remark that was made by, uh, by Steiner, uh, who, Rudolf Steiner, who was the, one of the founders of anthroposophical medicine, that the, um, the essential oil uh, was the soul of the plant, was the carrier mm -hmm. of the soul of the plant. Right. And then I was studying Kabbalah, which is Jewish mysticism at that time as well, and it said that the human being, the, the human being is composed of of both a uh, plant soul, a, a human soul, and uh, and a divine soul. There are th there are those three components involved, and so therefore, a human being can relate to plants on a soul to soul level. So at the same time, I was coming to this conclusion that the main problem in chronic disease was the stuckness. There was some type of stuckness that was keeping the person from becoming well, and that this stuckness, uh, as I began to study and really develop. 
um, emerged at the, uh, the at the direct interface where the soul engages with the beginning or the emergence of the self structure. So you okay. have your soul, and the core of the soul is your eternal I, which is transmitted by you or by your soul from one incarnation to the next in the whole cycle of birth, death, and rebirth. And that is your the essential you. That's your uh, your drop of divine light, of divine spirit is that eternal. And it has to accumulate these various archetypes around it. Like you're a, a third chakra type, a fifth chakra type, you're Pisces, you have this moon rising, you're, you know, uh, you're an east directional archetype. There are all these archetypes that you accumulate. Uh, and this is who you become. And from that, from this atom, the nucleus is of this eternal eye and these archetypes are like the electrons. From that, you have to develop a self-structure in order to be able to engage in the everyday world. And so you develop what's, what we refer to as the real self from that, which is that part of your aspect of your self-structure, which never loses direct contact uh, with, this, with your soul nature, with your true soul nature. This is who you truly are. But in order to engage with the outer world, it develops a survival personality, which ultimately becomes structure based upon other people's ideas and expectations. And it's not really you. And it becomes more, more and some people becomes almost completely autonomous. And mm -hmm. it's this ism between your outer identity and this who you truly are that to me is the emerging point of all disease and if you on chronic disease or at least a major factor in chronic mm -hmm. diseases. And if you don't address that, if all you're looking at is, well, you know, how's their cholesterol doing and right, uh, right, are right, they right, eating right. too much of this? If that's all you're doing, well, okay, you know, they'll get better on a physical level, of course, but if the, if the true goal of being alive, of being born and going through this uh, tremendous stress that life is, of uh, going through this is, oh, if it is just to stay alive, if that's just it, well, okay. Uh, but if, if it's to somehow achieve fulfillment, soul fulfillment, to, to actualize who you really are in this planet and start to put together the fragments of yourself so that you can make the world more whole, then that's that's the people who you know who who are, are who I appeal to in terms of my work. So the holding is looking mm -hmm. at when you're not just taking the piece of well, what do I do for my psoriasis? You know, uh, which mm -hmm. supplements, which herbs should I use, which baths should I take? Uh, but okay, well, what what's what are what's going on with you emotionally? And then where does the, where do those emotions come from? Why why do you react that way? Why are your reactional modes such as this? Take it back, Father. So you're going more and more inward to your connecting all those pieces. And then when you make that type of electrical circuit, so to speak, then you're beginning the process of moving towards holding. And it's getting that piece in place that true fundamental healing can take place. If not, then it's just fragments. You're just working with fragments. And, you know, that's it's, it's not that rewarding if you've been at it for a while. Mm -hmm. uh, you use the word archetypes, these several different archetypes, and in a manner that I was not used to. Um, I work with archetypes, I, I write about archetypes, but not in terms of, uh, you know, uh, sun sign, moon sign, that kind of thing. Maybe you can explain that? Uh, go ahead. Well, you, you have your, uh, your outer characteristics. Uh, that right. manifest in this world. And, you know, I'm borrowing uh, my terminology here. I'm borrowing from Jung, but I'm not using it in the same way that Jung right. uses his terminology. Right. Mm -hmm. So uh, Jung uses the terminology, he differentiates archetypes and archetypal images. 
Mm -hmm. uh, in the work that I do, the archetypal images are, you know, how you react is that you break down in tears or somebody uh, oh, you know, okay. offends you in some way, or do you get angry, you know, or the, your reactional modes uh, or like, in, for instance, let's, let's take That's, okay. a, a major archetypal uh, model that comes from classical homeopathy, which is called miasms. And in Sorry, my, which is called? It, it's called miasm. Myasms. Myasms. Mm -hmm. And I won't go too deeply into this. It was developed mm -hmm. by Hahnemann back in the 19th century. But I will say just about the cancer miasm, which is one of the most prominent miasms you're going to find in spiritually sensitive individuals. And, and the cancer miasm doesn't mean you're going to have cancer. It just means that you're going to manifest reactional modes that are, uh, that are very similar and reflect how a person with active, in an active cancer state behaves both emotionally, reacts physically. And here are the two uh, general themes from the cancer miasm. And the first one is, is control. It's all about control. That if I, if I don't strive with might or main, then everything in my life is going to go out of control. Uh, and so it's, their life is all about control. And often they come from a background in childhood where there was very control. This is the ironic thing about mm -hmm. it. And then when they're out, they, ha they have to have this control and they get very nervous. The other is the inability to, to establish their true identity, who they really are. They cannot really be themselves in the same way that a cancer cell is not a lung cell anymore. If it's a, a lung cancer or a breast cell, it doesn't fully individualize. And that's what makes it a cancer cell. So basically that's their archetype is the cancer miasm. Uh, and so when you're making selections of oils or homeopathic remedies, mm -hmm. uh, you're, you're choosing them not just to base upon their nervousness or their depression or those various archetypal images, but where are they coming from? And you're mm -hmm. trying to, uh, you're trying to uh, reach inward and connect with the archetype uh, rather than simply with the images. When you're working with images, it's the smoke. When you're working with the archetypes, mm -hmm. you're working with the actual fire itself. Mm -hmm. So um, how are you doing, Bruce? Can I still ask a couple of questions? Are you? Oh, yeah, sure. Go All ahead. right. Yeah. Take your vitamins today. <laughs> Every day. All right. So uh, this leads into, in some way, how uh, estrangement from your inner soul nature is often the key to chronic disease. Um, I, you know, it, it naturally, I think it could lead into this. Is that okay? Would you want to talk about that? Yes, and you know, one of the demonstrations is if you speak about, you know, uh, if you uh, speak with people who work with end of life uh, in hospices and so forth, and many of them come to realization as they get older when they let go of uh, mm -hmm. that estrangement. Uh, when they uh, seem to regress back to who they once were. After all, when you're a child, you're a very instinctive organism. You are who you, who you are. Who, you know, it, and then uh, you're influenced by your parents and by your peer yeah. groups and by, by your church and by the school system and so forth. And you begin to conform yourself to, to socially controlled behavior, what they say you need to be. If you say, well, you right. know, I'm into being a poet. No, 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 not a poet. You know, you need to be an accountant or something. Yeah. And so uh, you start to let go of all this and the way you react, uh, you put up with other people's stuff, even though it's so negative, it's ruining your life and not allowing mm -hmm. you to make progress in your life. You can't let go because, you know, after all, it's my sister-in-law I have to put up with. Why? I, I, you know, I don't know where that's written, uh, but that's what comes with all of this. But as a person is dying and letting go 
of all of this, they somehow come to a peace. And what that peace is, the return. That's the return to the beginning of themselves. And that's so the estrangement is from that beginning. What was established when you were first a child and everything was discovery and you, you, you felt yourself. And now you, for the years subsequent to that, you just feel yourself somewhere in the background, but it's not mm -hmm. your operational mode. And it can't, you cannot organismically uh, make decisions. In other words, make your decisions based upon what you're feeling and sensing. You have to make your decisions based upon what other people tell you you need to do. And it's that, it's that separation, it's that schism that is a major part in uh, many of the chronic disease states you're going to see. Yeah, and you've mentioned this word schism often, uh, well, at least three times. Now, um, we're all part of a context. We're in a context. If we work, we, um, if we're lucky, you know, the luckier ones um, here of us choose their own context and they can be, they can be successful. Others may have less of a choice and work for a government agency that they hate or are, you know, so, so let's say that uh, the schism can also come from, am I thinking this out right, from continuing to live and thrive in a context that uh, is unhealthy in inverted commas for them because it's utter pain for them to continue working in that um, environment. Could this go along uh, this line of argument that you're talking about? Yeah, there's no question. And uh, when you when you're separated from yourself, what you will find. Uh, I refer to it, you know, using Joseph Campbell's terminology of a hero's journey. Uh, I refer to it as a solar, S-O-U-L-A-R. Hero's mm -hmm. journey that if you if you uh, have a directional process towards wholeness mm -hmm. of being, if that's your direction, that over time, uh, you know that that old saying that at the moment of commitment, the universe conspires to assist you. Uh, over time, things change and evolve, and other other doors and other pathways open. Mm -hmm. uh, but if you're locked in, in some way, you're trapped, and uh, you can become miserably unhappy uh, in a lot of ways. And it exacerbates this stuckness, this inertial state that you're in. And there, there seems to be no options, and, and that's where you are. And the best you can hope for is that you can retire with some money and finally do what you want to do. But most of your life, you know, is, is, is ruined in certain, yeah. certain ways, the opportunities. Uh, but I will say that life is life. You're going to get, there are going to be times when things go smoothly, and there are going to be times when you're going to take a beating. Uh, that's just right. the way it is, no matter how spiritual you are or, or whatever. But the difference that I'm saying is that even during those times when you're going through that gauntlet of stress, you're yourself. You're, yeah. you're operating organismically. You're feeling your way through as from who you are rather than being told what to do and right. you're lost and you're disoriented and so forth. That's the only thing I'm going for is that you operate okay. through life with that consciousness that is your initial core consciousness. All right. And not be caught up in the centrifugal force that occurs in times like that. Um, let's, if you're still uh, with me, I will ask another question. <laughs> okay. Um, the, one of the things that you mentioned to me that I would like to briefly talk about is the importance of the soul's incarnation in the matter of the body. 
This is uh, something that is has its origins to a certain extent uh, from Kabbalah, which is the tree of life is very well known symbolism uh, of Kabbalah. And the difference between Kabbalah in terms of the mysticism of Kabbalah and say Eastern mysticism. In Eastern mysticism, the ideal is to uh, go beyond uh, the physical and to transcend, uh, to connect uh, with the transcendent. Uh, the mm -hmm. Kabbalah is the exact opposite, is to bring the transcendent and to yeah. incarnate it uh, into the imminent, to connect. Uh, in other words, in, in the cosmology of Kabbalah, at the time of creation, the female aspect of God and the um, male masculine aspect separated mm -hmm. to a certain extent with the, the female becoming the imminent in all of nature when you're walking through a forest and you feel the presence of God all around you, it's the female, it's the divine mother that you uh -huh. feel the cosmic mother is all around you. Whereas when you're you know, going up into those higher realms, that's the masculine aspect. And so the goal is to bring the transcendent down to the imminent bring and connect the imminent back with the transcendent to bring it. So in, in a physical body sense, there are 50 to 100 trillion cells in the body. And many people have this understanding of the soul as being sort of this amorphous cloud aura that's around yeah. you in some way. Whereas uh, it, the descent of soul into matter dictates that every cell of your body must be incarnated with soul. And right. there are mechanisms by which you can uh, increase the degree of soul incarnation into tissue. I'll mention just a couple of yeah. them on a physical level that will be surprising to you. Uh -huh. But the first one is warmth. Uh, ah. If you've ever lived, I mean, you've lived on the East Coast, if you ever grew mm -hmm. up in New York or whatever, and it's snowing and it's winter and it's 10 degrees outside, and then you decide, well, you know, I'm going to Jamaica. I'm getting out of here. Yeah. I'm going to Jamaica. Yeah. As soon as you get off the plane and it's warm, you feel incredibly better, even yeah. though physically you haven't changed much, but you just and emotionally you're feeling great. And that's because that warmth helps incarnate your soul into tissue. The other thing is blood sugar. Uh, that mm. if blood sugar is irregular, uh, if you're eating lots of sugar and your blood sugar is up and down and so forth, that uh, counteracts the ability for your soul to incarnate in tissue. So they're on a physical level, warmth, mm -hmm. the warm bath, soaking in a warm bath at night, especially with some essential oils like lavender and jasmine, and just mm -hmm. soaking incarnates you. Whereas a cold shower, that's going to be a little <laughs> bit different. That's more to, to vitalize the blood, but it's not for the same uh, you're not using it for the same purpose. Well, you know, it makes me think those who live in Alaska then, what do they do? I mean, it's like going, I don't have to go to Jamaica. I just go outside. It's a beautiful day. The sun is kissing me and you feel good. Those who live in extremely cold weather um, are not doomed, are they? They must have another option or another it depends outlet. upon how close you live to nature because that's another factor in solar incarnation. Mm. You know, picture yourself the difference between walking down, you know, Fifth Avenue in Manhattan and walking down a forest path. Uh, you know, a just really nice, beautiful park that has forest paths and you can hear the bird song. Mm -hmm. uh, you can hear the, the hum of the insects, you know, and so forth as you're moving. And it's just you, the cathedral silence of nature. The, the, the incredible incarnation of soul into matter will take place there. But in the city, I mean, it's lost. You're totally disconnected. There's nothing of nature there. There's just, just the artificial. And uh, you long for that lunchtime when you get up from lunch. You can go to the park 
and sit on that park bench and there's some trees and there's a few birds. There's a little now, bit of wait grass a minute. and you feel them, more like you feel more like yourself. Wait a again. minute. Them's fighting words, Brutes. There is such a thing called human warmth. And you receive the warmth of another person by simply having a smile. And that is warmth. And of course, it may be somewhat different. It can be different if you want to argue for nature, and I'm going to argue for humanity. We can, you know, argue until the cows come home. But in this case, I can understand the warmth, and I do appreciate nature. But, you know, there's a there was a book, I can't remember the name of the author, Tree Grows in Brooklyn. Um, there is... Uh, we see nature in many different ways, and warmth does come in different confections, in different packages. You have oh, to acknowledge absolutely. that. As a matter of fact, uh, yeah. one of the central, um, art, central foundational concepts uh, in my spiritual fighter Western system of essential oils is mm -hmm. uh, Martin Buber's uh, philosophy of I Thou. Yeah. That uh, your eye, your eternal eye, uh, should recognize and acknowledge that the, another person's eternal eye, their mm -hmm. thou. Oh, and okay. So you have an eye-thou relation between, and that's characterized by acknowledgement and warmth. Mm -hmm. Whereas if the other person, you consider the other person an it, an mm -hmm. I-it relationship, you're just using them and experiencing them, and there's no warmth, mm -hmm. uh, then there's no soul. There's no spirit mm -hmm. can only, spirit can only come into a relationship that is I thou, where there's that reciprocity yeah. between one soul mm -hmm. and another. So without doubt, human warmth is part of it. Uh, nature will encourage uh, more mm. of those type of relations, whereas city life and the, the hecticness and the craziness mm -hmm. uh, of urban existence and digital existence as it is now, uh, is separates one person from another in a way that I've never seen before. And, mm. and I think that's one yeah. of the, as, as much as, uh, the, the, the looming disaster of global warming, I think this divisiveness between souls, this separation uh, is really uh, uh, incredibly destructive. Yeah, I can see that. I can understand that. But I don't want to end on this destructive note. No way. <laughs> All, All right. right so, so I didn't ask you about your high school days, but um, many of us in Italian, there's an expression uh, we all of us harbor a little dream in the closet somewhere you know what do you have in that closet of yours thinking of what you would like to do that you're not doing now well you know i'm i'm 71 so i'm not going to do it <laughs> oh, i mean i'm going to live to be 150 <laughs> come on <laughs> yeah so uh so basically you know i i basically uh I don't remember much high school. I was a really good student, I have to say. So school was, you know, a very big thing for me. And I, you know, I was one of those lucky guys that had a good family. And so yeah. I didn't really have that much in the way of things going on uh, until I got into college <laughs> and things started to change. And I began to understand uh, the outer world more. And I, by the time I got into college, one of my goals was to live out in nature, to get out of the city. And mm -hmm. I started, uh, by the time I started working and teaching, I was, as, every time I could get, I was camping in the Catskills, the Adirondacks, yeah. uh, wherever I can go, uh, just uh, to be out there. And I've managed to do that. So I've been doing that, and that's <laughs> where we live. Uh, and it's just right now, it's to become more and more of uh, fulfilled within myself mm -hmm. uh, to reach uh, my potential as a soul, as well as my potential as a practitioner 
and as a teacher mm-hmm. at all, to really to help more and more people in a way uh, yeah, that is tangible. Yeah. I'll uh, let me that's, throw that's a little curveball. You know, I was expecting something like uh, to learn to play the piano or, you know, the violin or to start singing, you know, something like that. What's your relationship with music? I, I, will, I will admit. Uh, that uh, I did play guitar at one time. You know, after all, I'm from the 60s. And so uh, in those days, uh, a lot of guys wanted to play guitar because uh, the girls liked that, you know. And so uh, I did. And for a while, I did play. I did play for about 20 years. Uh, I uh, Not not great by any means. Okay. Uh, but okay. it, was, it, did, it did entertain me. And music is a major part of what I do. Uh, we uh-huh. use music a lot in in. in uh, when I'm describing the, the quality of an oil or the personality of an oil, oh. I'll use certain songs to characterize it. And my wife and I listen nice. to music uh, every night. Every night. So nice. Music, this is nice. Um, I like know, the idea. Shakespeare, uh, Shakespeare once said, uh, the earth has music for those who listen. And uh, to me, that's, uh, that's basically part of my music. But yeah, music is definitely because... Uh, I'll say this, and I don't know if this will be your ending point, but uh, <laughs> there was, there, there's a concept. Uh, that is an important concept in, in, in health. And that is, is that a, a loss, health is rhythmicity. When you have, an, when you have rhythm in your life, uh, especially circadian rhythm, you have rhythm, you, you're, you're healing. A loss of yeah, rhythm in your yeah. life is, is, is a loss of health. So uh, music, as go. it used to be, which was very rhythmic, uh, is very much a soul. Melody is very much of the human soul, of the human heart. Mm-hmm. But when it's Harmony. just the beat, mm-hmm. that's just the animal soul. And that's how music has degenerated, become very coarse. It's lost its melody and become more emphasis on the mm-hmm. beat. And things are much more animalistic than they used to be. So as you can see, I'm a little bit down on modern music. But what can I say? You mean, to me, <laughs> but to me the, I got you to the music. That was good. We ended yeah, with that destructive. I again. Sorry. <laughs> right. I got off the train again. Sorry. <laughs> Thank you so, so much, Bruce. After all, you're not that bad. You came, a nice Brooklyn boy, you know, (laughs) sent out somewhere in the nature. He hasn't lost his way. He's still thinking about harmony. This is good. (laughs) This is Uh, good. Definitely. I'm I'm still a man of the people. By by the way, I grew up in an Italian neighborhood, uh, so uh, we have more in common than you think. I grew up in a a neighborhood of Narsi. Uh, which back in the day was an Italian neighborhood, and yeah, yeah, uh, that was a good upbringing. You know, yeah. it, it was it was really nice. It, I, I really have fond memories of that. <laughs> Thanks so so much for coming, Bruce. It was so delightful, and um, you know, we of course there's so so much. You just touched the surface, and it's it was. Oh, let me just say, um, people, if they want to get in touch with you, what would be the best way? Well, you can go to my website, Natural Health science.com naturalhealthscience.com if you uh-huh. wanted to communicate directly with me you can uh, communicate with me by email at dr bruce b which is dr bruce okay. b as in as burkowski at cnw.com charlie nancy walter.com uh, you mm-hmm. can communicate directly with me i answer questions or go up to the website and you'll see a lot of my articles about natural health science uh, techniques uh, spiritual phytoestrogen saying uh, it's all there, and uh, there is an ongoing training that I do uh, with oils and gemstone essences and a lot of things with naturopathic work. So, um, Can you give means, us the uh, website again? Uh, the website is www.naturalhealthscience.com. Mm-hmm. All right. 
Good. I like it. Thank you. And you have yourself a one. You're you're so. Let's say here it's almost eight, so it must be eleven, close to eleven. Ten forty-seven. Yeah, ten forty-seven. Well, you've got a whole day. Thanks again, Bruce. I really enjoyed our talk. Yeah, same here, Claudia. Thanks so much for having me on. I, I'm it was a much pleasure. appreciate it. Bye bye. Take care. Bye bye. Bye bye.